Happy Christmas. It's great to be joining you in this season and to continue looking and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. The other day, I was walking to the post box. It was about four o'clock, so it was already a bit dark, you know, those twilight grey moments. And it had been raining, so the, the pavement was, wet, was all wet and there were lots of piles of leaves here and there. So I, you know, I was just looking down, had my hood up, it was windy and cold, and suddenly there was a loud squawking and I lifted up my head, I looked up, and there was a whole flock of parakeets, you know, very normal where we live, um, flying across the road and into the park on the other side. It was just a moment of kind of joy in the greyness, and I remembered how bright their colours are, and there's life even in the grey depth of winter. And Christmas is a bit like that, isn't it? The sparkling lights, the food, the gathering together. It's joy in the middle of what can be a rainy grey season. And I think as we've looked at our theme, Let Heaven and Nature Sing, over the last two or three weeks, it's lifted our eyes up to the bigger picture of the fact that the Christmas story is is about the God of the universe entering into our world with the aim to restoring both heaven and earth and turning around all those terrible effects of the fall of sin and death and suffering and sorrow and through the life and death of Jesus, bringing joy into the world. Jesus, you know, he, he didn't come to a palace or even a peaceful democracy, but to a small town where even the heavily pregnant Mary was compelled by the occupying forces to go and be registered in the town where her husband Joseph had been born. She had to get her papers sorted. That was the way it was. So let's just pick up the story. After the, the angels have come and the shepherds have come, and we're going to look at the story of the wise men, the Magi, in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star where it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. 
As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love that. When they saw the star, they looked up, they were overjoyed. They'd reached their destination. The Magi, it seems, perhaps weren't as wise as we often think they are, as they're called, because they walk into a palace looking for a new king to worship. I mean, that's a bit controversial, especially when you consider what Herod was like. They would have been people similar to we read about in the book of Daniel, who served in the court of the king in the country they came from. Astrologers, wise people who could look into the future and they should have known that you can get thrown in lion's dens for worshipping another king when the, the ki other king is still alive. And Herod was very much alive. He was clever and cunning and he called the chief priests and the teachers of the law and he asked them, you know, where is this king? What's this about? Where is the Messiah going to be born? And of course, they had to answer him. They, they couldn't, you know, mess about with Herod. And they told him about the prophecy in Micah, that a ruler would emerge to lead the people of Israel and he would be born in Bethlehem. Herod then took this information and he met with the Magi secretly. He didn't let them meet the other religious leaders. He was very much a politician who knew how to divide and conquer. He didn't want those two groups getting together and beginning to get ideas about a Messiah, a new king coming. He wanted to get the info first and be able to deal ruthlessly to any new heir that might be trying to grab power. We don't know what the Magi made of Herod. Were they impressed by his power and his palace? Did they misread the diplomatic signs? Or were they taken in by him and genuinely thought he wanted to find out? Or did they fear him? Certainly by the end of the passage, they have to be warned by an angel, don't go back to Herod, it's a trap. Once out of Herod's grip, they go on their way. They look up for the star again. They've had a close shave. Things haven't gone to plan. What had seemed straightforward, okay, let's go to the capital city, to the palace, and maybe there we'll find this new king. Now they're back on their camels, journeying, going further. 
And some of you may feel like your life is a bit like that. You had a plan and now you're on a detour. Things have cut across your life. Maybe even today you're feeling that sadness or loss or confusion. Just what am I doing? Where am I going? What's happening in my life? Look up. Look to the promises of God. Remember, there is a good shepherd, a ruler who has come out of Bethlehem, who will guide you. Even through the darkest valley, he will be with you. That's the promise of scripture. His word will light up your steps. And that's what they found. The star stopped. And when they saw that it had stopped, they were overjoyed. It's like their divine satnav had said, you have reached your destination. They were filled with joy, anticipation, because now they finally could find and worship this new king. Christmas though for us sometimes can feel a lot more like looking down. You know, we're in the grey streets, aren't we? And we've got our hoods up and maybe you're out shopping and you bump into people who, while they're shopping, are shopping online at the same time. We, we've got such long lists of things to do and buy and people to see and food to be cooked. And we can just end up with our heads down, thinking about all the practical material things that have to be done in this season. But today, if you're joining me on Christmas Day, you can relax. If you haven't bought it now or cooked it now, it's too late. You've just got to make what you've got work. I remember once we were visiting Zimbabwe where we have partner churches and friends that, that we see. And we were going to a retreat out in the countryside in the bush and we had a wonderful meal cooked for us in a, a big outdoor kitchen. And behind the kind of retreat camp, there was a hill which was like a rock. And so a few of us just took our food and we climbed up and we sat on the rock because the sun was just beginning to set and it was just a wonderful kind of vista over the bush. And then it began to get dark and the stars became shining in the light. And the bigness of the sky just lifted our spirits. We need those moments when we look up and see the bigger picture and light shines into our little lives that sometimes just get so focused on the practical. I urge you this season, take time to look up, see the stars, see the sky. Go above the practical and the mundane and the to-do list. That's just basic self-care. But I, I call you spiritually to look up and see Jesus. I know we're busy and if you're hosting and you've got food to cook and people to gather, the irony is that sometimes in the busyness, your faith can get sidelined. You haven't got time for it. 
That would be ironic, wouldn't it? If we as believers would lose the, the real worship of Jesus in the busyness of Christmas and just end up celebrating like everybody else does in the world. No, we of all people should look up and see Jesus and find joy in this season. I know we can be a bit moany, can't we, Brits, you know, about the traffic and the price of things. And, you know, if you're cooking and, you know, something doesn't just go quite right and the kids moan that, oh, it wasn't as good as last year. But let's rejoice that we've got food to put on the table. Let's remember that God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's okay to feast and have fun, but let's not make it all about consuming. Let's not forget Mary and Joseph bringing a baby into a very basic situation, away from home, compelled by the authorities. Let's not forget it was our sin that caused our Saviour, the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, to leave heaven, become a tiny vulnerable baby under threat from people like Herod. And that's what the wise men did. They came into a situation where they saw an ordinary family, a small baby, Yes, they'd been led by a star supernaturally. Yes, they probably had read prophecies and promises. But somehow, when they walked into their, that house, they saw Jesus for who he was. I mean, they could have easily come in and been a bit underwhelmed and, and kind of struggled to think, how can this baby in this family become a king? But no. The passage says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Here was more than they could ever have dreamt of when they left their homes, maybe months or weeks before and travelled and travelled. Here was the one they hoped to see, the ruler born in Bethlehem who would shepherd his people. There were none of the normal trappings of kingship, none of the stuff that they had seen in the palace in Jerusalem. But here in this humble dwelling, they found someone worthy of all their worship. And without hesitation, they opened their presence, lavish and expensive and deeply symbolic, at the feet of this baby. This is the joy, to catch a glimpse of Jesus, to worship him, to give him all that we have. Will you catch a glimpse of Jesus this Christmas? Will you take time to worship him? Will you pause and find joy in him today? Whatever is going on in your life, in your home, good or bad, happy or sad, there is joy to be found in Jesus. 
Maybe you can open the Bible and read the story again from Matthew 2 and Luke 2. Maybe you can look at the people across the table today and share the joy of a life found in Jesus. Maybe right now you can resolve to journey like the wise men did. Maybe you're starting from a place far from Jesus, but like them, you can search and find him for yourself. We hope you will look up and find Jesus and find joy this Christmas. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you came into this world, that you reduced yourself to being a tiny baby, vulnerable and weak. That you entered this world, that we might seek you and find you. And that in finding you, there may be immense joy. Joy that goes deep. Joy that lasts into eternity. Joy that gives us hope for the future. Jesus, we ask you will come really close to us today. Amen.